Podcast Network Asia. Welcome to Family is the Answer, an adoption and foster care podcast. I'm Karina Kuna-Henson, Managing Director for Rohe Foundation. Together with Podcast Network Asia, we're here to share resources to inform you and stories to inspire you about adoption and foster care. Hope you enjoy listening. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Family is the Answer, the podcast. My name is Krina, and I'm so glad that you are joining us again this week. If you are joining us for the very first time, we'll welcome a little bit about Rohe Foundation. Rohe Foundation is a nonprofit organization that is based in Manila, Philippines. And our heart is really to advocate for adoption and to support families who are considering adoption and foster care and just equip those who want to take action in responding to the orphan crisis, not just here in the nation of the Philippines, but all over the world. It's a growing problem. And what we found is that actually one of the groups of people that is really called to respond to this problem is family. A lot of times we assume that the government should respond to this problem in society, but Actually, it's families. Family is the answer. And that's what this podcast is called. And we're super glad that you're joining us today. I have with us some really good friends of mine. Super excited to have them. The topic is, I'm in college. I'm not ready to adopt, but what can I do? And this is a topic that I've been thinking about a lot because at Rohe Foundation, we have a team of about 50 volunteers. A lot of them are college students, which... A lot of people are surprised by because they say, hey, you're in advocacy that focuses on adoption. And why would college students be interested in adoption? Like, aren't they just thinking about, you know, school and friends and what's the next step in their career? And how do I even get started there? And very rarely are college students actually thinking about family, marriage, having children, adopting children. And so we started to dig a little bit deeper and we found that actually... Um, amongst college students, um, there's this growing interest in responding to the orphan crisis. And actually, adoption isn't the only way that you can respond at this season in your life. Yes, our hope is that you would consider adoption as early as you know your, your teens, your early 20s. And even before you're ready, you would start to at least think about this concept for family building. But Also, we don't want you to wait till you're ready to adopt to actually do something. And so I've invited two of my friends who I absolutely adore. I could probably spend this entire podcast talking about them because I do that in a lot of our staff meetings where I just rave about how incredibly blessed we were to have crossed paths with these two ladies. They came on board to Rohe Foundation as volunteers One of them started as a volunteer, eventually became an intern. The other one started as an intern and it's going to be like a volunteer for life if we don't hire her before she gets out of school. We'll see. Totally for education, but we love them so much. We're always like, are you really sure you need to finish college? And I would never dare say that in front of their parents. But it's our heart, you know, to really just continue building with them because they've been such a huge, huge blessing to us. The impact of their work is something that we continue to see 
months after their internship was completed. So first, let me introduce them. They're super cringing right now. Um, <laughs> but let me introduce both of them. First, I want to introduce Tanya Barraso. Her full name's Natanya. And she's an AB Psychology Senior at Messiah College Foundation. An incredible school. I've heard so much about the school. I was so thrilled to meet her. But you know, she's a student leader. She was a keynote speaker for one of her school's outreach programs and had the opportunity to talk to these students about mental health and about family life. And she comes from an incredible family. She has been so involved in her church community and is just someone who counsels other young women and helping them follow God and just live a fruitful, purposeful personal life. And so... I had so much respect for her before she came on board. I had even more respect for her when I met her. And, you know, after Tanya's first two days of internship, you know, I was just, I was blown away by this woman. So, you know, she started as an intern at Ruhe Foundation. She was a project manager for some of the booklets that we were doing with a partner organization. Tanya, I think it was like your first week, we threw you into directing yeah, a was. major live stream event. I remember sorry, that. Not sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'll remember it forever because I was blown away. And she got to work with some of our really key partnerships. We'll talk a little bit more mm. about that later. All that to say, hi, Tanya. Absolutely love you. Thank you for agreeing to do this podcast. Of course. Hi, Atikrina. Hey, everyone listening. Glad to be here. So glad you said yes. And with you today is Jana Capistrano. Jana is a broadcast communication student from the University of the Philippines de Leman. She's currently working on her thesis uh, on a topic which we love. Yeah. <laughs> the perception of adopted individuals on the representation of adoption in Philippine media. Couldn't be prouder of you, Jana, for doing your mm. thesis on this. She's also the executive director of the UP Volunteers for Children and a member of the UP Political Society. She started out actually as a volunteer. And then we formalized that by making her an intern at Rohe. And then she just became the production manager for all the stuff that we do. All our major projects um, were like, Jana, you're in charge because she just did <laughs> such an excellent job at that. And although for both Jana and Tanya, their internships have ended, they continue to work really closely with us and couldn't be more thrilled. So hi, Jana. Thank you so much for doing this. Can you say hi? Hello. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> I <laughs> wouldn't have it any other way. So glad that you guys are both here. I was super thrilled about recording this podcast because I really just wanted to catch up with you guys. Now that you guys are back to the regular semester at school, I don't see you three times a week anymore. And that's really sad. So maybe first, what have you guys been up to? How's school life? And how much do you miss us? So right now I'm working on my thesis, which I think a lot of college students would agree is the funnest experience, most fulfilling thing in the world. So <laughs> there. And how much do I miss Rohe? Enough to keep volunteering, even though I'm doing my thesis. I don't yeah. think I miss Rohe because I'm still kind of here. So yeah, same. <laughs> for me, I'm pretty much the same, actually. I'm just preparing for my thesis and my official internship because I did do internship with Rohe Foundation more for experience. But I'll be doing my internship under school this coming semester. So yeah. And how much do I miss Rohe? 
so much that even if they invite me in the the meetings, I'm always like, I always stare at it for a while. I'm like, should I? Oh, no, I have a meeting for school. No, like I really do miss <laughs> and just sitting in and listening to the ladies, the staff ladies just, you know, talk about their passion for the kids. I miss it so much. Yeah. Well, that's really sweet, you guys. I think as much as you guys miss us, it's probably nowhere compared to how much we miss you guys. And I know that you guys have still been very much involved in the work that we do now in a volunteer capacity. And we couldn't be more grateful. But today we're talking about college students and what can a college student do if they're not ready to adopt? So the first question I want to ask you guys is, why did you volunteer or intern with us? What made you decide to reach out and say, Hey, Rohe Foundation, can I be involved in the work that you do? Even though you guys are college students, like, I mean, why did you guys even care about adoption in this season of your lives? So maybe let's start with Tanya and then we'll go to Jana. So, um, like I just mentioned a while ago, I started in Rohe Foundation to really, or did internship to gain experience. So I was like looking for internships online and my friend really amazing woman. She shared to me this post of at the jam, actually our advocacy head, she posted on one of the church small groups that they're looking for interns. And I was like, hey, I'll check it out. So I, I checked out their website, Rohe Foundation's website. It was super amazing. Props to the IT people and the you know media people behind that. And their social media accounts were so you know active. And it's it was just so fresh to look at. And I'm sure Jana can agree with this. I really love that. And as I was going through it, I just really saw the message behind every single post was so consistent about, you know, standing up for these children. And I also realized it's more in line with my passion than I thought, because I do have a passion for helping the youth more specifically understand, um, like their worth in view of how Christ sees them and valuing others' worth also. So yeah, I, I realized, hey, family plays a huge part in that, like a youth establishing their security and their values. So what better way to help the youth than to advocate for families' presence, especially in their childhood, which is something that Rohe Foundation just really speaks up for. You know, that they it's always the tagline, family is the answer. It's really the answer to everything. So yeah, that's why I decided to join. I was gonna mention Jam too. Hey no jam. For those who don't know, Jam is the director for advocacy and events, and she's like quietly listening while we record this podcast. So she's smiling. Here. She's chosen not to come on board for reasons we don't know, but she's here. And so we're not talking about her behind her back. She can actually hear us. Yeah. So my story is a little different from Tanya because I started out as a volunteer, right? And I think I want to backtrack to how I became a volunteer. The first day that I met Jam, like the topic just went to adoption. And I was like, oh, all right. She's so passionate. But then I think I'm a person who's a little bit aware of advocacy revolving around children. But that was the first time I ever heard about adoption. I was like, oh, there are actually people in the Philippines who advocate this specific thing. And it got me really mm-hmm. interested, especially because like she was so passionate about it. And yeah. anyway, a few months later... It wouldn't leave my mind. I was like, okay, adoption is really interesting. Like, I've never thought that it's actually a way to help children. I just thought it was just, I don't know, like a random concept. But then they were looking for volunteers during that time. Like, there was a post about calling for volunteers. And like, I think I shared the post, even though I didn't want to volunteer. But then Jam messaged (laughs) me and was like, hey, you know, there's actually this opportunity that you only need one to two hours a week. 
Like, you just need to... That's the minimum amount of time you need. And I said, oh, I think I have one to two hours a week. And it was a transcribing job. So once a week for one to two hours, I would transcribe. And it really didn't seem like much. Like, it's just, you know, just a little bit of my time. But then while I was transcribing, while I was doing that work, I got more and more interested with adoption and why these people are really backing up this advocacy until it came to my required internship in school. And I was like, you know what? I think this would be a great place to learn. And here I am. I have never heard this story. (laughs) This is the very first time I am hearing this story about how Jam scammed you in (laughs) to interning with us. But yeah, that's really interesting. So you're saying that First of all, you were kind of interested in the advocacy. It caught your attention. But then it was actually through, you know, just committing and finding out that actually all you needed was like an hour, two hours a week. You were like, Hey, actually, I can do that. That's something I can do. It never occurred to you that that's one way you could have participated or volunteered. Yeah. And it was great because such a short amount of time really did so much to like my perception of adoption and my heart towards it. And I was like, wow, that can do so much pala. Hi, everyone. I'm Edric. And this is Joy. Please do check out Family Family Unboxed. Join us as we talk about the fun stuff, the highs, but also the challenges and the controversial stuff as we try to change the world one family at a time. Only here on Podcast Network Asia. Wow, that's amazing. Well, I'm really glad to hear that. And then I guess the rest is history because it's been, I don't know, has it been a year already? I think almost a year. Yeah, coming to a year, honestly, it feels like forever. And I forget that both of you are not on staff. Sorry, (laughs) maybe it's just my dream world. But it feels like you guys have been with us forever. I think because over the short amount of time that you guys were interning with us, I really felt your heart for adoption. So you guys came on board at different points in this kind of process of caring about the topic, of caring about how to respond to the orphan crisis, how to respond to vulnerable, neglected, and orphaned children. But where did this heart for adoption start? So are you saying that you guys said, hey, let me volunteer with Ruhi Foundation. Let me intern with Ruhi Foundation because I really care about adoption. Or what came first? How did you guys come to that place? Maybe let's start with Jana first this time. All right. So I think with me, I've always had a heart for children. And the heart for adoption came a little bit during the internship. But when I realized that adoption actually was important, I'll share a little story. So there was a time when I volunteered in children's homes. And I think it's something that a lot of college students can relate to because, you know, Sometimes we're actually required to visit children's homes. Anyway, right. When I volunteered, I think the thing was, it was fun. Like it was great, like spending time with these kids and like getting to know them, playing with them. But at the back of my mind, I always kept thinking, Oh my gosh, are these two hours that I'm spending with them enough to fill in the gap that parents should fill in? And it's like, definitely not. And one specific instance that really broke my heart was when a little girl approached me when I was about to leave and she was like, she asked me when was I gonna come back? And I was just I was just shocked because I didn't know the answer. I didn't know when I'd come back. And my heart for adoption didn't necessarily start there. But that's when the search started of like, how will these kids 
find a permanent way, a sustainable way to really get the love and the psychological support, the economic support that they need. And it was in Rohe that it all clicked. And I was like, oh my gosh, adoption is the key. And I was like, oh, okay, let's do this. Let's let's advocate for this cause. Yeah, similar to, to Jan. Um, but for me, I think it was more different that it really started with Rohe Foundation. Um, the idea of adoption being celebrated and not being Plan B was such a new and unfamiliar concept to me. And the longer time I spent in Rohe, um, my eyes were really open to the reality of how these children are left alone repeatedly. Like, not just by their parents, but even sometimes by the coming and going of caregivers and peers in the institution where they're at, right? So they're already left by their parents, and then these people who are around them, who show them care, they also uncontrollably leave. And an institution that was you know, the closest thing that they had to home. So I was like just picturing that, imagining experiencing that in the most vulnerable season of my growth and development, which is in my childhood, right? And never feeling worthy of being chosen or let alone being kept. And that realization really ignited my passion for these children. Um, that was really the beginning of everything for me. Wow. I think what's so inspiring about both of your stories is that you know, regardless of where it shows up, like for you, Jenna, I guess it, it happened a lot earlier on. And, and then your encounter with Ruhi Foundation kind of solidified some of the, the things you had already, you said like that the search, that search began, like trying to figure out solutions. And I guess that's the point, right? I've always wondered, like, what is the point of all of these immersion programs and outreach programs we do in our high school, college days? It's to kind of open your eyes, right? I always say, like, if you don't see, you don't know. If you don't know, you don't act. And, you know, there's nothing or you don't care. You you have to see first to be able to get to that point where you actually care enough to act, right? And I feel like it's really nice to know that in those moments when you were at the children's home, you know, those encounters you had with those kids opened your eyes. And I love how you said it, a search, a search for a solution. And I feel like you're probably not alone in that, right? And I'm glad that when you encountered Rohe Foundation, that's when it clicked. And you said, hey, actually, it opened your eyes to see, actually, I can do something. And similarly for you, Tanya, it was like you cared about family, you cared about children, but you know, adoption wasn't something in your radar. You hadn't encountered it, but in your time with us and in your just how you invested your time in understanding the problems that we were trying to address as an organization, something also clicked in your heart where you started to also see for yourself. For sure. Yeah. Was there any particular time for you, Tanya, where you were like, you heard something or, you know, you encountered a story that really, where you feel was like a, a clear turning point for you? Actually, I think the first time was the first team night I had. Yeah, at the jam again, I'm going to mention her. She, she was like, Hey, you're, you, we haven't interviewed you yet, but you know, we'd love to have you on our team night. And so I joined and Miss Rachel Ong was there. She's the head of the Singapore Ruhe Corporation Learning and Consultation. Um, yeah, she was there and she spoke and I just learned so much. But what really hit was the video that we showed after. It was a story about David, a boy that was adopted by the Quasara family, an amazing couple. Yeah. And it was his story that I was just like, Wow. It was just something about it, like seeing it, like what you said, Atikin. It's different when you see that 
yeah, this is a life. We always see numbers of all oh, of this amount of orphans. But then when you see that it's a life of this child that is so helpless and left alone, then you see the beauty of how his life changes once this couple just decides to make that decision that, hey, I'm going to go through this whole process just to give you a home. I know it's a difficult process, like, you know, ad- adopting. It's so long and difficult, but it's really life-changing. And I just realized that through seeing that documentary of David's story of being adopted. Wow, that's awesome. Um, Jana, did you want to add anything to that? Well, for me, I really agree with Tanya that when we see like statistics and all of these numbers about all of these kids who are going through you know, whatever crisis, whether it's adoption or any other problem, it's like, okay, this is the number. But when you actually see the face behind that that number yeah. and realize that that kid has a name, has a story, mm-hmm. it's like, it's mind-blowing that there can be so many children who are going through so much pain and it makes you want to do something about it. Yeah. While we're so comfortable here at home and we mm-hmm. have the food we eat and the family that, you know, we have, I think we have the capacity to do something with it, whatever we have. Well, thanks, because that totally leads me into the next question I wanted to ask you guys about what can be done by a college student. You guys are super busy. You're now volunteering with us. So it's like on a voluntary capacity. It's around the school time that, you know, all the time that you have to commit to school stuff, to your thesis, to like church commitments and, you know, family. And we're in the middle of a pandemic still. And so there are all these limitations. And you guys are saying that you know, something can be done. So maybe you could share a little bit about your experiences, maybe some of the projects that you guys got to work on and, you know, maybe just help people understand what can a college student actually do today that would cause change in the world around them when it comes to this issue of the orphan crisis. Jana, do you want to jump in first? I know you started your internship first. I think I really talked about this a while ago, but something really important is to be informed. Mm-hmm. Like, how can we really advocate for something that we're not aware of? And like, even me, yeah. I'm really still in the process of finding out like what the realities are. And it's not just about being informed too, but it's also having empathy about it because sometimes we have so much knowledge of whatever is going on. But I think if we really try to, you know, have compassion over these issues. And of course, once we're there, then we can actually act upon it. Like, I shared a while ago how I had so little time to do something so simple for Rohe. I had one to two hours per week. And it seems so small. Like That's such a small time slot in my calendar. But that could make such a big impact. And that doesn't only make a big impact on other people, but it makes a big impact on ourselves. Realizing that what I currently have and the time I have, that could really be enough. And it could grow into something bigger. So I think sharing a post Sometimes we think, oh, I'm just sharing a post. I'm just posting this on my timeline. But the people who can see that and learn from that post, it could actually come a long way. How about for you, Tanya? Well, what about your experiences kind of like helped you realize that, hey, actually, I can create impact in this mm-hmm. season of my life. I don't need to wait till I'm ready to build a family. We say family is the answer, but does that mean I need to start a family right now? What are some yeah. of the things that you did and how did that make sense for you? I am doing a project, right? I'm project managing something for Rohe Foundation right now. And there's a part there where we have to transcribe some of the interviews. And at that point, I was looking for some transcribers to help us out and our volunteers, but there were no people responding yet. So I, I decided, I was like, hey, why don't I try it out? And I was just listening to the story while I was transcribing. And I realized that that's also, 
you know, that one hour that Jana gave to transcribing, that changes you because you hear the story of these people, the stories of these people, of what they went through or, you know, of these organizations uh, representing the children. And it changes you too. And I think that, yeah, whatever time you give, it's powerful, no matter how small, even if you share a post. I was talking to one of my batchmates at school and she's been actually following Rohe Foundation's posts and being educated of the orphan crisis, not because I introduced her to it or any of the interns of Rohe Foundation, but because a friend shared a post of Rohe Foundation and it reached my batchmate who I never talked to Rohe Foundation about. And I was like, well, that's amazing. You've been following Rohe and, you know, knowing all about the orphan crisis because a friend shared it to you and not me. And that's like the power that one post can do if you just share it. I know that we share memes, right? In our generation, we love sharing funny things and all of that. But I think that we could also just use that share button to just advocate for a really meaningful thing. And and a lot of our posts also are, you know, celebrating these children, not just like bringing awareness, but also celebrating their lives. And that's what I love about Rohe Foundation. It's It's really celebrating the beautiful thing that is adoption. And yeah, break the stigma in your circles of friends. I've been my close circles of friends. They know everything about Rohe Foundation because I keep going nonstop about it and like, you know, orphans. And I just share with them my heart for it now. And they're always like, wow, that's really something I never thought about. They tell me, you know, Tanya, I, I, I didn't see orphans that way until you told me about it. So like have those conversations with your close circles of friends or family. It really makes a difference. Well, that was part one of this episode entitled, I'm in college and not ready to adopt, so what can I do? If you enjoyed our conversation, please stay tuned for part two of this episode of Families the Answer, the podcast. We will be sharing more about Jana and Tanya's experience as interns, all the projects they did, the friendships they built, and the incredible impact that they made, not just here in the Philippines, but all the way in the US and all around the world. So stay tuned for that, and we'll catch you again next week. was the Family is the Answer podcast by Rohe Foundation and powered by Podcast Network Asia. If you're interested to know more about adoption and foster care, visit our website at rohefoundation.org where you can find articles, videos, and other resources. You can also find us on social media. We're Rohe Foundation on Instagram and Facebook. Again, thanks for listening and I hope to catch you at our next episode. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.